Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Glory to God. Now, we are living in historic times. Can anybody say amen? Amen. But we have, we're going to also make a different kind of history this morning. I have two messages to preach in 25 minutes. (laughs) Maybe, maybe 30 minutes. Who'll give me five? Hallelujah. That's five, 10, 15. (laughs) Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm going to talk, first of all, about something that's on everybody's mind today and on people's consciousness. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Come on. These are not verses that you don't know. These are verses you know and are established in. But we need to remind ourselves of some things. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse number 25... Therefore I say to you, this is Matthew 6, 25, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? In the last few weeks, we've been focusing more, especially on the health part of what we're going through as a nation. And we've taken our stand because we know that healing belongs to every believer, every Christian has a covenant right to divine healing and divine health. And so we've taken our stand because that's been the issue that's been so pressing. But what I want to tell you today is is, He's not only our healer, He's our provider, praise God. Amen. And let me say this before I go any further, just sort of uh, interject this. We've talked a lot in recent times, or at least you've seen it on the news, how that the curve has been flattening out. And everybody is giving credit to social distancing. And we don't want to, by any means, minimize that. We practice that here. And it is important. We've encouraged you. But what is going on is beyond what they were expecting. Come on. The correction that has taken place is beyond, far beyond what they thought would happen. And so it's not just a matter of social distancing. The big difference is prayer. The church has prayed. Believers have prayed. And because of that, this thing is being corrected a lot quicker than anyone thought it would be. And so let's just lift our our hands and give thanks to the Lord for that. Glory to God. This is one thing that several of us said at the beginning, that there would be a testimony 
of what God would do for our nation on behalf of prayer, yes. on behalf of praying believers everywhere. And we're witnessing that right now. Amen? Amen. And so we've been focused on that side of it. But like I said, He's not only our healer, He's our provider. Yeah. Jesus said, do not worry. Yes. Well, if He said, do not worry, that means you can not worry. That's right. It's possible not to worry. He gave us a lot of reasons why we need not worry. He said, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed or clothed like one of them. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? That not only means He'll clothe you, He'll provide for you. He'll keep a roof over your head. He'll keep food in your cabinets. He'll cause your blessings to come abundantly upon you. You'll have plenty of all that you need, glory Glory. to God. Because He is our Father and He cares for us. (laughs) Amen. Amen. He'll protect your source of income. I said He'll protect your source of income. I said He'll protect your source of income. He can open up new sources of income. Unexpected sources of income. Glory to God. Amen, amen. Because He is the provider. Praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Therefore, verse 31 says again, Do not worry. What saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Or when will I get my check? (laughs) He said, don't worry saying those things. Don't take thought by saying those things. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Now when Jesus used the word Gentiles, He was talking about people who did not have a covenant with God. But we know that we were once Gentiles. But then we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and we were brought in to the family of God. And we are His covenant people. Glory to God. He said, so don't worry about these things because after all these things, the people who are without a covenant with God seek these things. But your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 3410 says, The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Glory to God. Psalm 8411 says, The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory, and no good thing will He withhold from those who walk upright. Glory to God. I'm here to tell you today, God will provide and meet our needs. Glory to God. Pastor Greg's already quoted the scripture where the psalmist said, I've been young and I've been old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. We're not beggars. (laughs) We're not beggars. 
Amen. We're children of God. Glory Amen. to God. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 So stand strong in that. Amen. Amen. Now, if you would, I would like for you to turn with me to the, to the second chapter of Acts. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We'll begin in verse number 14. I'm not going to go back and give all of the uh, other verses that were ahead of this. I think most of us are familiar with this chapter, but for the sake of time, I want to pick up in the 14th verse. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. We could say, let everyone who dwells in high springs, yeah. everyone who's listening, heed His word today. Yes. For these are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it is only the third hour of the, of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out of my Spirit on all flesh. Yes. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy... Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the coming of that great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Verse 22, Peter said, Men of Israel, I would say men of high springs, yeah. women of high springs, people yeah. who are all around us, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God you have taken by lawless hands. You have crucified and put to death whom God raised up Amen. having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go down to verse number 29. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us today. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, yeah. of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the, from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He poured out this which you now see and hear. Verse number 36. 
Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this, this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. Yes. God raised Jesus from the dead. And when He raised Him from the dead, He established Him forever as the Christ. Glory to God. As the chosen one, the anointed one, our one and only Savior. He is Christ and He is Lord. Praise God. Now, a lot of people in the secular world look at the Scriptures and they say, well, those are just the words of man. That there's really not any evidence. There's really not any proof that any of this happened. But the truth is there's more proof. The truth of the matter is there's more proof and there's more validation to the writings of the New Testament than there is of any other literature in ancient history. In our own Western civilization, no one questions the writings of Plato. No one suggests that he didn't live or the things that he wrote uh, were not true or not valid or not part of our Western heritage. But let me give you a little bit of, of comparison. Plato... His writings were written between 427 and 347 B.C. It took 1,250 years before any... We don't have his original writings. We don't have the original writings of the Scripture. All we have are copies that someone uh, passed down and our earliest copies, our earliest copies of the writings of Plato were recorded 1,250 years after he wrote them. And there are seven copies. Seven. Did anybody go to school and read the Iliad? Mm -hmm. By Homer. Written in 900 B.C. The earliest copy we have, we don't have the original, the earliest copy is 500 years, dated 500 years after its writing. There's a total of 643 copies. The New Testament, on the other hand, was written between 40 and 100 A.D. The earliest copies were not recorded that we have actually we can put our hands on. We have these copies. They weren't written. They're not dated 500 years after the originals. They're not dated 1,250 years after. The earliest copies we have of the New Testament are dated 25 years after they were written. And how many copies do we have? We don't have seven. We don't have 643. We have 24,000 copies of the documents of the New Testament. The New Testament is the single most attested to, the single most proven of any documents in the world. Amen. Hallelujah. 
To not believe in the New Testament is pure ignorance. To challenge the Word of God as not being valid is really, truly ignorant. Because we have all of that historical evidence. But more than that, we have the evidence of a risen Savior on the inside of us. Glory to God. This risen Savior changed my life. I was a drug dealer. I was away from God. I was fighting against God. I was challenging God nearly every day of my life. But I opened up the New Testament and began to read. And the living Savior that's spoken of in the New Testament who was crucified on Good Friday and who was raised from the dead on Easter Sunday, praise God. That living Savior walked into my life and completely transformed me in a moment, in an instant of time. It wasn't a process. It was something that happened instantly in my life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Peter on the day of Pentecost talked about David. He said, David is dead and buried. And his tomb, his grave, we still have with us. Abraham is dead and buried. We have his grave. Buddha is dead and buried. Muhammad is dead and buried. Jesus was dead and buried. But, (laughs) glory to God. Jesus said, I am he who was dead. I was dead, but now I am alive forevermore. Glory to God. We're living at a time right now where people are suddenly turning to God. Now we know that we live in a very secularized culture. Not just in America, but in many, many places in the world. Particularly in the West. I've been to Europe. Pastor Greg and I have been to Europe two or three times. We've walked the streets of France and Britain, Spain, the Netherlands, uh, other places. And we can attest to you that modern man has largely rejected God. The beautiful cathedrals all over Europe are little more than uh, 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 Museums. museums. Little more than museums. Now there's a handful of faithful people who attend worship services in those beautiful buildings. But just a handful. Most of the people in Europe have rejected God, have they've rejected the God of their fathers, they've rejected the God of the Bible, they've rejected the God of their history. But something interesting has been happening in the last few weeks. On Friday, March the 27th, when Pope Francis gave his weekly blessing in a deserted St. Peter's Square, millions millions of previously disinterested spectators tuned in. Mm. 
In the UK, more than 10 million people watched him on television. That is a tremendous happening. We have a good friend, a, a missionary who serves in Spain. A missionary we support. He and his wife, Rich and Daphne Walker. I haven't been there, but Pastor Greg's been there several times. And everywhere you go, in, in the streets and in talking to people in shops, no one wants to talk about God. No one wants to talk about Christ. It's a culture where almost nobody believes. But something is happening in Spain. In Spain, on March the 27th, when the Pope gave his message, it was the most watched broadcast in all of March. It was the most watched broadcast in Spain for the entire month of March. One writer tells of attending a Good Friday service via the YouTube channel of a shrine somewhere in the mountain in the remote mountains of northeastern Spain. He wrote, I was surprised to see that about four thousand people were following this live broadcast online. This was up in the remote mountains of northeastern Spain. Similar phenomena has unfolded in other parts of the world. In France, Sunday Mass on television is knocking out all previous records with more than a million viewers. In Germany, audiences are at an all-time high. On YouTube, Thousands of new channels from local churches around the world are being broadcast across the internet. A brand new Pew Research Center survey shows that more than half of American adults are praying for an end of the pandemic. That's here in the United States. More than half of all adult Americans are praying that God will do something about this pandemic. This survey noted that those who pray often are doing a lot more in recent weeks. And that, listen to this, a quarter of the of 25% of those who do not profess any religion at all are calling out to God. God is doing something in our nation. God is doing something in the world. God is taking that which the devil meant for destruction and He is turning it to the good of people all over the world. And it's because the church has prayed. Do not make a mistake. It's because we and other people like us around the world, the faithful, have stayed faithful and lifted their voice to God in prayer. I'm telling you, something's going on. Hallelujah. Amen. In the midst of pain and uncertainty, seems people are turning to God for help. Huh. Like I said, before this pandemic... Our modern society had declared a thousand times over 
that there was no need for God. We can do everything we need. We can have everything we need. Science is the answer. Politics is the answer. Money is the answer. Entertainment is the answer. But those things have fallen silent. We've been a proud, proud, proud society. Modern man's God was himself. Self was on the throne. And has been for too long in our nation. Humankind's pride often won't, often won't give way until it can't take it anymore. So what should be our message to a fearful and humbled world? Our message, church, should be that our God has not changed. Amen. He has not changed. Amen. People are suddenly changing. They're suddenly turning to Him. But He has never turned away from them. God hasn't... People are suddenly finding God, but God's been there all along. Amen. He's been ready and available and quick to respond to the cry of anybody that would lift their voice to Him. Yeah. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Our message must be that He is there. Your, our message to co-workers, to people in our neighborhoods, we're meeting people in our neighborhoods that we never met before. <laughs> our message to people everywhere we go should be that God is the same. He hasn't changed. Yeah. He's always been here. He's always been ready. Yeah. He's not in a new mood. He's not doing anything new. He's ready to do what He's always done. Yeah. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13, 8, says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I, I did a word study many years ago. And you know that the, that the Bible was originally written in Greek. And the Greek word that's translated same, S-A-M-E, it's a very emphatic word in the original language, in the original Greek. It's a, very, it's a very forceful and powerful word. And it means the very same identical person in every respect. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is the same identical person in every respect. Amen. Yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Now we're not living in forever right now. We're living in today. And so how can we know what to expect from Jesus today? How do we know what to expect? His response would be to our needs. All you have to do is to look at the Jesus of yesterday. When you look at the Jesus of yesterday, you know that He is the same today. The Jesus of yesterday went about doing good. Yeah. He went about healing all who were sick. Yes. He broke the bread and fed the multitudes. When they had no way to make it on their own, He was there to provide for them. 
That's the same Jesus that's alive today. Glory to God. (laughs) Glory. We need to tell people that Jesus stands ready to forgive the most vile sinner. Jesus stands ready to forgive the most ungodly among us. There's no one you know. There's no one you've ever met yeah. Who does not, who has, who has sinned so badly that he's outside of the mercy of God. Jesus will forgive. Hallelujah. Jesus will save. He's ready yeah. to save. He stands ready to restore. Maybe you once walked with God. Maybe you came from a, from a church or religious background, but you have strayed. You've, you've gone your own way. Yeah. And and drifted away from the things of God. The same Jesus who's ready to forgive the most vile sinner is ready to restore that wayward one. Glory to God. You can come back. You can come back. He wants you back. Praise God. He will forgive. He will restore. And He will do like so many commercials say, and so much more. (laughs) Hallelujah. He not only stands ready to save, He stands ready to, to, to deliver you yeah. from whatever you might be bound with. You might, be, you might think you're bound in sin. You might think that you're bound by habits. Yeah. You might think you're bound by fear or doubt or unbelief. I'm telling you, our God is a delivering God. Yeah. He will set you free today. Hallelujah. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.